This week, our executive producer, Adam Gobeski, suggested we watch the 2002 thriller Swim Fan, the movie that warns of the dangers of AOL Instant Messenger. However, since it's 2018, we decided to watch the exceedingly more relevant 2010 movie, The Social Network. And welcome to another episode of Cinematic Respect. I'm Charlie Walson. I'm your first co-host, first and only co-host today. Uh, Jessica actually got called away for a work thing. So instead of our usual banter at the top, let's let's just get right into it, shall we? Uh, onward and upward. And our uh, guest today is Brian. He's from the podcast, The Silver Screen Redemption. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. So, Brian, yeah, you uh, we actually contacted each other via the front page of the Internet, Reddit. <laughs> yes. Um, and I took a listen to your podcast and it was it was a lot of fun. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about it? Um, yeah. So we basically uh, we basically make stuff up. You know, we uh, we take movies that already exist and sort of build on to them, whether that be sequels, prequels, reboots. We've re- recently got into some mashups. It's basically just. We goof off for an hour, and then at the end, we say, hey, that's a movie. <laughs> yeah, I listened to your most recent episode on uh, Sherlock Gnomes, or like, I guess, is this, is this a sequel yeah. to Sherlock Gnomes, or Gnomeo and Juliet, or all of those things? A gnome, yeah, like I a gnome think universe? That, I, think, I think what we made was the third and the fourth installment of the Gnomeverse. <laughs> so Gnome Alone and slash uh, Gnometergeist. We ended up with two movies on that one. So well, uh, yeah, it's a rich as vein you can tell, you can mine, we're not yeah. a super serious one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so the movie that you actually chose was so The Social Network 2010 uh, stars Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield and Justin Timberlake. Jesse Eisenberg plays Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of one of the co-founders of Facebook, and it starts off with him at Harvard and basically building his social media platform while sort of trying to navigate uh, the friendships that surround him with his uh, co-founder, Eduardo, played by Andrew Garfield. Eventually, there are problems in their friendship when Mark Zuckerberg heads out west and meets up with Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, who is a the founder of Napster, and there's some... Some sparks fly between him and Eduardo, and a couple of lawsuits end up happening between uh, Eduardo and a couple of identical twins, the Winklevoss twins, who also went to Harvard and are claiming intellectual property rights to Facebook. Um, So you'd think it'd be a sort of very tech-oriented or tech-heavy movie about nerds, and it ends up not really being that so much. Um, So Brian... uh, was there anything that attracted you to this movie specifically? Why, why did you pick this? Um, I mean, right now, Mark Zuckerberg is uh, big news, right? Where, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is very ripped from the headlines type stuff. And I just hadn't seen it. I mean, I was uh, I was out of the loop of all culture uh, other than Uruguayan culture for two years. I was uh, a Mormon missionary. When you're a missionary, you, you know agree to abide by some very strict rules. And one of them is basically to not that you won't be distracted by, you know, worldly things, including movies. So we uh, were pretty much nonstop out in the streets, knocking on doors and bugging people. And mm-hmm. we're too busy to be watching movies. So <laughs> so there's that whole period of two years where you've you've been trying to have you been actively trying to catch up with those years? I definitely was for the, you know, the year after I got home. I never saw I didn't see Megamind for a really long time. And my oh. my family got mad at me. 
They said, how have you not seen Megamind? And I said, you know I was in Uruguay. Uh, you were supposed to tell me. That's a weird movie to get angry at somebody about. I watched it and I liked yeah, it, uh, but uh, I... <laughs> it, this was mostly my uh, my nieces and nephews oh, uh, who yeah. loved it. Yeah. And saying, how have you not seen it? And I said, well, that was your job to tell me when I got home what I should see. <laughs> that was another one. I saw the... I, I went to a McDonald's in Uruguay and there were... The Happy Meal toys were... For Megamind, in Spanish, it's called Megamente, because mente means <laughs> yeah, mind, yeah, yeah. but mente is also the suffix to make an adverb. So I read it as megali, and I had no idea why <laughs> it's why a movie was called that. I could not figure it out. I don't think I knew until I got home and I found out it was called Megamind in English. <laughs> I was just very confused why it was called megali. So um, there are a lot of like quirky things about uh, about being a missionary besides the obvious ones. Um, sort of missing out on, you know, catching up on TV and movies when you get home. So um, this was very exciting t- to watch the social network because uh, because that's how I, you know, sort of caught up was yeah. Facebook a little bit was, oh, was yeah. helping me yeah. catch up on on this kind of stuff. So um, I I saw a movie poster for this once uh, in Uruguay oh. in Spanish. <laughs> and I thought that sounds interesting. And that's all I thought about it for a long time. So uh, here's an interesting question for you. When did you first log into Facebook? Um, I was in high school. I think my junior year of high school. So that would have been uh, 2008. 2008. Okay. So 2009. After many of the events of this this movie, I, for me, the first time I logged in was, it was probably still in 2004 or maybe 2005, because one of the things this movie brings up is that it started out is sort of a college exclusive starting with Harvard. Like you could only get into Facebook with a harvard.edu email and then kind of hop to other prestigious universities and then eventually got to the state universities where I, where I was. Right, so it was yeah. this weird sort of a tiered release. So eventually it got to all of the universities and then just the general public, I think, after that. So it was kind of interesting to track, you know, how I had come to Facebook based on what was actually going on in this movie. Yeah, and that that actually, I had no inkling of that whole story. Like I knew, started at Harvard, it was originally sort of a Harvard exclusive site, and then it blew up from there. And that's sort of the whole story I knew, which kind of surprised me because, you know, as much as I use Facebook um, and, you know, everyone around me uses Facebook, I thought I would know the story better, but I honestly did not. Uh, so this screenplay was actually adapted from the 2009 book, The Accidental Billionaires, the founding of Facebook, a tale of sex, genius, a tale of sex, money, genius and betrayal. So um, a lot of the information from that book was brought from Eduardo, who's played by uh, Andrew Garfield in this movie. So it's kind of interesting. So, so what's kind of interesting about this is what is real and what isn't actually truth in this movie. So, I mean, right. I, we we know that Eduardo was on board with creating this book or he was on board with giving interviews for this book until he reached the settlement, which is the end of the movie, at which point he no longer was allowed to talk or give any in, oh, in, give any information to the writer. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. There's kind of legal, uh, you know, requirements around that. Exactly. So I guess Mark Zuckerberg was a little bit um, he was a little bit hurt. <laughs> I think by some of the things in the movie suggesting yeah. that he was a such a big jerk. So what did you think about the portrayal of uh, Zuckerberg in this film? Uh, so I think one of the first things I heard about the movie was Mark Zuckerberg's response to it. 
And I have a memory of of a quote of his, and I tried to find it before we recorded, and I don't know if it actually exists. Maybe I'm just <laughs> imagining this. I'd like to hear it anyway. But I thought I thought I had read an interview where someone said, Oh, Mark, have you seen, you know, the social network? And he said, Oh, I don't think I'm going to see it. It looks too scary. Like it looks like a scary movie, and I, do, I wouldn't I wouldn't like it. Uh, I and I haven't been able to find that, but I thought that was a very funny response. Like, oh yeah, they it looks very scary. They've they've hyped it up and made it uh, into sort of a thriller, which is an, which is a stretch. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah I think the trailer for the movie definitely gives sort of a more makes it look a little bit more like a thriller than than what we actually get. And I think that's one of the kind of the surprising things about this movie is what you might expect it to be versus what it actually is. So what did you, uh, going into this, what did you expect we were going to see? I mean, not from a plot perspective, but like what sort of movie do you think it was going to be? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to feel like slightly documentary uh, in style, but not quite. Because um, I didn't know it was Jesse Eisenberg. And so I guess I was just imagining now you see me, but with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Um, so, so definitely dramatized, but um, I didn't expect the Aaron Sorkin angle, which was right. definitely a big part of it, uh, sort of the legal drama. And I have not watched much of, I don't, I'm not very familiar with much Aaron Sorkin other than I know who he is. So that, that was interesting to me. If there was any doubt about whether Aaron Sorkin wrote this or not, you can forget about it after about one minute <laughs> of this movie. Uh-huh. Like it's very that very constant barrage of dialogue, and especially that opening scene with uh, Rooney Mara, where they're having this back and forth conversation about their relationship, which kind of tees up the rest of the movie. And there's a difference between being obsessed and being motivated. Yes, there is. Well, you do. That was cryptic. So you do speak in code. I didn't mean to be cryptic. I'm just saying I need to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive. And fun, and they lead to a better life. Teddy Roosevelt didn't get elected president because he was a member of the Phoenix. He was a member of the Porcellian, and yes, he did. Well, why don't you just concentrate on being the best you you can be? Did you really just say that? I was kidding. Although, just because something's trite doesn't make it any less. I want to try to be straightforward with you and tell you that I think you might want to be a little more supportive. If I get in, I will be taking you to the events and the gatherings, and you'll be meeting a lot of people you wouldn't normally get to meet. You would do that for me? dating okay well i want to try and be straightforward with you and let you know that we're not anymore what do you mean we're not dating anymore i'm sorry is this a joke no it's not i mean every line you know every line is a sharp comeback you know um they're very witty on both sides part of it is to show off how smart mark is and how sort of awkward he is in conversation but erica uh, also has hers that are it's very quick very back and forth um, I think I I think one thing I was expecting as well was kind of like a like tearing him down a lot more than they oh, did. Oh yeah, I thought it was gonna be very much like oh look how evil this guy he is he's been lying to you he says he invented Facebook but it was actually these other guys. Oh really? Um, okay. I didn't know about I didn't know about the other lawsuit at all. And I honestly, when I heard Winklevoss twins, I assumed like oh it's these two like really nerdy antisocial guys <laughs> who programmed it. And then Mark came along and just stole their their code or whatever. But it was like kind of the opposite. They were the very charming like business people, and then he was the he was the programmer who built it. I guess one question for you then too is, how do you think Zuckerberg came off in this movie? Do you think it's a positive portrayal or negative or somewhere in between? Um, I mean, there's obviously negatives to it. I think it does 
try to be a bit of an expose. But I mean, you come off still liking him. I think by the end of the movie, you like, you know, the the character of Mark Zuckerberg as sort of this unfortunate, um, like he can't get along with people. He has all these ambitions. He's very smart, but he just doesn't know how to like control himself. So you almost feel bad for him by the end. Uh, like the very last scene is very like kind of depressing until it tells you, oh, and yeah, and then he became the youngest billionaire ever. <laughs> Um, Tim, you know, you know, waiting for a friend request from his girlfriend from the very start of the movie um, and not getting it and talking about how he lost all these money in these settlements. And then it says, oh, and he, you know, he became the world's youngest billionaire. <laughs> well, so uh, I, I think there was a bit of, um, you know, feeling bad for him, even though you know what happened and where he is now. I got a little bit of it. but It's, it's very interesting because I kind of came off with a different impression of him. Altogether, I thought so. There's the beginning of the movie where Rooney Mara says, basically, okay, you're an asshole, right? She calls him that straight up and says, That's why people right. don't like you. And the end of the movie where Rashida Jones says, Okay, you're not actually an asshole, but you need to try harder or something along those lines. I don't know. I just got asshole the whole time, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I mean, there's I no denying didn't feel that. the sympathy. I mean, which is great. I mean, it's really interesting to talk to somebody who sees the movie differently, but I think both times I've I thought that as Mark Zuckerberg watching this movie, I would kind of be a little bit irked too. It's a good yeah. movie, but... And and I should say, I don't think I got to the point of actually feeling sorry for him, okay. but it did feel like <laughs> that's what they were trying to get me to feel. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he like he was kind of a punk, but you know, it, there were things that were hard for him. I think that's what they were trying to get me to feel, and yeah. maybe I felt it a little bit. Yeah, and all of the conflict is basically caused by him not having that social ability that people around him seem to have. So I don't know. Do you think there's any turning point in the movie where he it's like, oh, he's definitely learned a lesson of some sort? Uh, no, no. I think there's a turning point where he he starts to get worse and worse, uh, <laughs> which is not what you expect from a from a hero's journey type thing. Right, right. It is sort of he meets Sean Parker, gets caught up in things, and then it just kind of spirals downward from there. Uh, so his... I guess best friend and CFO of Facebook, Eduardo is played by uh, Andrew Garfield, and he kind of comes off as, I guess, just a good guy in general. I mean, does he really have any yeah. negative character traits? Yeah, I think he's he's sort of a product of his circumstances a little bit. He's kind of, uh, but he is. I think he's just a generally good guy who gets put in some like extreme circumstances, and uh, I think his responses to them are pretty believable. You know, I could see freaking out at something like that. We've also got uh, Justin Timberlake playing the founder of Napster, who later comes into the company in order to, uh, I guess, get some investors. So he's basically taking over the same role that Eduardo has been playing this whole time. So kind of a usurper. One of the things that was funny for me watching it this time was that, okay, I watched it back in 2010 when it came out in the theater. And... I didn't know who any of these people were. Like, I guess I knew I knew who Justin Timberlake was, so I at least knew that. Right. But it was very surprising to go back and watch this and go, oh, Andrew Garfield. I actually know who that is. I had no idea who that uh -huh. was the first time I saw it. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised by Rashida Jones's role because it was very small. But then I remembered this was 2010, and I don't think we knew fully uh, 
you know, the power of Rashida Jones yet. No, I don't think so. I don't. I wouldn't have recognized her at this point either. I mean, maybe was right. Parks did Parks and Rec start yet? That might have been about that uh, time. I don't so know. it would have been would have been new even at that point. Um. So yeah, what did you think of? What do you think of Justin Timberlake? Do you think so? This is. I also remember this being one of his first acting roles that I ever saw and being fairly impressed with it. What did What did you think about his performance? Um, I enjoyed it. I actually remember seeing. Ah. Uh, I'm not going to remember the name of it. It was Clint Eastwood that Justin Timberlake was in. Really? Um, oh, and I that? didn't enjoy it that much. I remember not liking the movie very much, but thinking, wow, I was impressed by Justin Timberlake's acting, which I was not expecting to. And I liked him in this as well. Yeah. Um, his part was fairly easy. You know what I mean? It was like play the rich playboy billionaire. Right. That's um, true. Yeah. You can draw from some of his own experience to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, there wasn't tons of depth to the character, but there didn't need to be. No, exactly. He's the sort of suave guy who comes in and seduces uh, Jesse Eisenberg with dreams of being a billionaire. Right? He even says that at one point. Well, this is one of those weird. This is one of those weird movies that even for me just dropped off the radar for years. I mean, I haven't thought about this movie in probably like six or seven years. I think just what, like you're saying, with all this new stuff with Facebook coming up, it's like, oh, this would be a very interesting revisit. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see the sequel um, once uh, once the current stuff sort of uh, <laughs> no clears out and we see what happens, uh, the social network too. <laughs> it's a, it'd be a completely separate movie, right? Yeah. Oh, there was one thing that really, okay. So there's one thing that really got to me. So I guess maybe we'll just talk about the comparison, you know, what's going on now. So with all the Cambridge Analytica stuff and user data being basically compromised, um, is that there is a scene in here where they're reading off of a newspaper and Mark Zuckerberg in the interview says something along the lines of, you know, I'm really sorry about Face Smash, which was this hot or not sort of website that he created for for uh, Harvard girls. Um, he's not really sorry about that, but hopefully everyone will be really excited about the new privacy features that Facebook is rolling out right now. And I'm like, uh-huh. this guy has been doing this for almost two decades now. <laughs> Right. Yep. It's just waiting till there's a problem and saying, hey, I can uh, smooth this over. Yeah. And it's not it's funny because the movie's not making a comment on that. Obviously, it's 2010 and he hasn't done that nearly as many times. But I just I just uh, latched onto that and I was like that jerk. (laughs) I mean, a lot of the stuff, (laughs) especially right now, is making me not sympathize. Maybe that's why I don't sympathize with him as much. It's just the other things that are going on in in real life. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting seeing the different versions of Mark Zuckerberg, because if you look at his Facebook page, you know, he posts tons of videos of, you know, him and his wife and his dog. And uh, they seem very like rich, but down to earth people. Right. And it seems like we see we've seen two versions of him besides that, which is the Jesse Eisenberg, who is this ambitious jerk. Um, but then, you know, appearing before Congress memes, yeah, <laughs> uh, where he is, you know, a lizard person and, you know, a robot, that kind of thing. So it's, it's interesting and, um, maybe appropriate for social networks. Cause that's, uh, we sort of present different faces from reality. So along those lines, like, how do you think that the idea of Facebook played in to the film? Because it's, it was kind of striking to me how little technology was relied upon for the film in the sense that we don't see a lot of people posting things on Facebook or even using even using computers all that much. I mean, you see people typing, but you don't see anything going on on the screen. Right. It's very 
in like personal interaction driven film. Yeah, I think the most we usually get is just that picture of the the logo at the top. Um, yeah, yeah. To s- sort of talk about you know whose name is on it, but other than that, we don't see you know command lines and that kind of thing. We don't see. I mean, even even I think the place we see the most is at the very start when he's hacking into the individual uh, you know housing halls uh, Facebook. Right, and even then, and it's like it's like very basic. He's like, oh yeah, I ran a very basic script and downloaded these pictures. Yeah, I think just to establish, okay, he does know what he's doing. Right, but it's not really used much other than that. I mean, it's described. So, how do you think that the idea of Facebook plays into this movie? Since it's not really shown too much, it's kind of an abstract idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we get to see where the ideas came from more than anything. You know, in the movie, he talks about it being recreating college life. And so we get to see some college life stuff. Uh, We have the scene where the guy is like, hey, that girl's in your class. Do you know if she's single? And it's like, oh, there's the idea for relationship status. You know, I should put that in in Facebook or the Facebook. And uh, so I think uh, it is kind of trying to show us the world he was in and where these ideas came from. Maybe they came from the Winklevoss twins at some level. Uh, but who knows? And maybe they came just from his surroundings. There's another movie. Uh, it's about the guy trying to sue Ford because he invented the intermittent like windshield wipers, I think. Oh, yeah. The Greg Kinnear film. I forget what it's yeah. called. Yeah. And they spend a lot of time trying to find that the moment that, that he can explain how he, had, he, how he got the idea. And he talks about blinking. This is kind of the blinking of Facebook is these social interactions. These people, you know... Oh, I'm in this club. It's an exclusive club. Oh, there's Facebook groups. Uh, this person's asking about a relationship status. Well, I should have that as part of your profile. Um, kind of showing almost like a slumdog millionaire. He did, you know, he got that somewhere honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't just cheat. He didn't look up the answers. He, you know, he, it actually was part of his life. He was a college student uh, and trying to get people to like him. And his girlfriend had broken up with him. And he was sort of looking for a way to, I mean, it, one, an interesting project. I think his his argument in real life is, I just wanted to build something cool. But this other idea of, you know, I want to connect people and because I'm not good at connecting in person. So I think we get to the root of what what is Facebook for and where did it come from rather than what it is? So, yeah, you get the sense that it's him trying to build some sort of or trying to understand how to behave socially through a program thinking that that's somehow sufficient or somehow he can learn what it is he's supposed to do or maybe yeah. even build some other place where you know he's better able to interact with people or at least control the situation but we don't get a lot of situations where he's in the movie where he's able to do that so what do you think about that last scene we've got Jesse Eisenberg when they're about to settle the lawsuits by himself and he attempts to friend his girlfriend from the beginning of the movie his who broke up with him way back then. Um, so he friends her and just keeps refreshing the page. So what do you think we're supposed to get from that scene? See, that's where I started to feel maybe a little sympathy, right? It's like, okay, he he's he's now trying to, uh, you know, make this human connection with this person that he uh, wrong, he feels wronged by, but also wronged. But also it it's kind of just a sort of soulless moment. Yeah. He's not crying or anything. He's just sort of staring at his computer screen and, uh, you know, hitting refresh. And uh, we're getting the, you know, the cold hard facts of, of how the settlements ended flashing on the screen in front of him. So uh, it's it's uh, it's almost a human moment, but not quite. That's a great way to put it, because it feels like a human moment, but only because 
it feels real, like something that we could, maybe we haven't done that specific thing, but we can understand it. Or we know people who have, right? It's like trying yeah. to friend somebody on Facebook and just like hitting refresh or trying to interact with them that way. And it's weird that, yeah, he gets close to actually that human moment through that thing that he created. But you're right. I don't think he gets there. No, you put it up against, you know, his behavior in all of these courtroom scenes that were, you know, hours before the same day where he's saying like, hey, I'm making millions of dollars right now. You know, you know, that's who he is. It's not like he had some epiphany. It's it's the same day, you know, as it was at the start of the movie, you know, in the forward part of the timeline. Yeah, the whole movie's constructed such that there's this boardroom scene going on where they're trying to reach a settlement uh, between Mark Zuckerberg and the Winklevoss twins, but then also between Mark Zuckerberg and Eduardo. So that's basically the framing device for all of these flashbacks of things that have happened in the past, I guess it would have been six or seven years. There is a wide range of time in the flashbacks, but uh, at least the last half of the movie is is sort of one one hearing it feels like so it's sort of interesting to see you know it's not like he changed in that time no exactly i mean that's a good point too is like you can see this whole journey from beginning to end which is like i think the first scene is literally the first scene chronologically and the last scene is literally the last scene but most of the interaction right takes place in just a couple of time points so there isn't really a lot of room for like character development in that short period of time and i don't know that there was meant to be i think a lot of it a lot of the development in this was basically just us developing our knowledge of it. It, it. In some ways, it was fairly, it was fairly, um, you know, built like built to instruct us as well as sort of tell the story. Actually, this is a hilarious aside. I noticed so much when I was reading. This was before we even decided we were going to do this as the episode. I was reading a interview with Mark Zuckerberg where he was talking about. You know, it was in response to this Cambridge Analytica stuff and talking about privacy. And the number of times that he responds to a question by saying, that's a great question, or that's really interesting, or that's something that we've been thinking a lot about recently. Like, if you look at his responses to the question, that's always what he says off the top. <laughs> I think he's just like stalling for uh, stalling for a little bit of time, too, or uh, trying to compliment the person asking the question. But it's like, uh, yeah, it's kind of sort robotic of a, a little, little bit. bit yeah. yeah, robotic a little bit in the way he responds to things. Um, and it's interesting, before any of this, robotic is not something I associated with him. Um, oh, he right. seemed like a you know fairly personable guy. I think it is, I think a lot of that is just due to the situation of, you know, you're in front of a, a million cameras for 10 hours testifying yes. before Congress. Yes. You're going to get, you know, pale and you're going <laughs> to be nervous and you're going to look awkward and, and you're going to sit on a little uh, booster seat. Maybe that's not part of the stress, but. <laughs> and to some extent, this movie created that narrative for him. A lot of people remember this movie and remember Jesse Eisenberg like that's Mark Zuckerberg, despite him trying to curate his image on Facebook. And despite a lot of the things that happen in the movie, not actually being true. I mean, as far as Aaron Sorkin's writing and what we've heard from Mark Zuckerberg as a response, a lot of it is not factually true or is an exaggeration, at least to make it a more interesting story. Right. For instance, from pretty much start to finish of the timeline of the movie, he was with his wife. Like his wife was a girlfriend and they eventually got married and she's not even mentioned in the movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. So it is weird that this film is kind of shaped the way that most people see him. But at the same time, he's kind of an unknowable guy. I mean, he's created this thing where, you know, of course, on Facebook, he's going to put up this front like we all do. So uh -huh. who is he really? 
I don't know. It's just really interesting. One thing that goes along with that, I was thinking of how, you know, Mark Zuckerberg said, oh, this is inaccurate. But the filmmakers don't, they don't say, they don't defend themselves at all. They say, no, it wasn't meant to be, you know, we took some major plot points and then we made an interesting story out of it. We don't claim it to be perfectly accurate. And so I was actually expecting to see, you know, he, sh- you know, he said, she said, uh, Mark Zuckerberg saying that's not true. And them saying, yeah, like it represents you fairly, but uh, they kind of don't. They kind of own up to saying, nah, we just wanted to make it an interesting story and, uh, you know, tell some of the, some of the high points, even if we uh, had to fudge some things. So I guess we haven't talked about the Winklevoss twins yet. So they're two uh, crew members, so rowers from Harvard who are uh, also who are also technologically adept who want to create this Harvard Connection website, which gives Mark Zuckerberg the idea for Facebook. And the Winklevoss twins are, well, the actual physical bodies are played by two different people, but the face on both of the twins is uh, Army Hammer. Right. Which is kind of crazy because I... That's an, he's another person I didn't remember was in this movie. I, I would think before, so Call Me By Your Name was last year. And I think that for me, that was like the first movie I was like, okay, I know who he is. So to kind of go back and watch this was was very interesting too. He was in Lone Ranger, I think. I think that's the only, honestly, the only one I've heard of him being in. <laughs> this is my this is my first Army Heart Hammer movie that I've oh, ever nice. seen. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Well, I don't think anyone saw the Lone Ranger. So it can be excuse for seeing not seeing that one. So, so are you <laughs> okay. familiar with Peter Thiel at all? Like, so this is uh, the guy no. that we that they got the, as an angel investor in the film, right? The guy that oh, okay, uh, Justin Timberlake hits up for you know five hundred thousand dollars or whatever, and then he gets seven percent of the company. So he's just a oh, minor character, just a guy who gives them money, right? But I thought that was crazy too because the backstory of that guy is that since that movie came out, the website Gawker outed him in one of their articles as being gay, and he got super upset about it. Upset to the point where, do you remember those trials that were going on against Gawker, the the Hulk Hogan trials? Or did you hear no, about that? Oh yeah. Okay. So this is just an interesting aside. Um, so Hulk Hogan had a sex tape that came out that Gawker published online, and then okay, Hulk Hogan sued Gawker pretty much out of existence. Like he got such a huge settlement that he put Gawker out of business, and then later we found out that it was this guy Peter Thiel bankrolled the whole lawsuit he was so upset at gawker that he gave hulk hogan a bunch of money to sue them so that they'd no longer exist as a media company it just wow because they outed him interesting yeah gawker was gawker was a weird media company in that i totally don't agree with them just outing somebody because they think it's news i do not agree with them publishing Uh a sex tape of somebody that doesn't necessarily have any newsworthy value but I also am not cool with just using a billionaire using their money to destroy a media company out of spite. It's just really bizarre. So as soon as they said the name Peter Thiel, like I was out of it for like 10 minutes. I was like, really? Like, is he a huge (laughs) character in this movie? Like they know he was kind of an asshole back then. And now it just that didn't really go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And that that could have been like that character for me. You could have, you know, copied and pasted any name in there. I I had no idea who that was. So, yeah. Interesting. Oh wow, he's got he's behind a lot of he's uh with Elon Musk maybe? Looks like he did uh PayPal. Yeah, he did and... PayPal. He did a lot of I mean, he got a lot of money. Yeah. But uh don't and, get yeah, on his I don't bad know much side. about Gawker and now I know why. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They went out of business like it was, it was probably like 2 or 3 years ago now, but um I think something that surprised me about the movie 
was how funny it was. Um, I was actually very surprised that they built in uh, a fair amount of humor into it, uh, which I appreciated quite a bit. Yeah, that's I was a, not expecting that at all. That's a very Sorkin-esque thing. Got a lot of very serious, fast dialogue, but gets those punchlines in there too. Yeah, like you were talking about earlier where they just reveal like the everyday parts of Facebook that uh, Zuckerberg came up with just by somebody making a slight comment to him or something like that. So uh-huh. those ended up being pretty funny scenes or, um, oh, geez, when Army Hammer. <laughs> so when the Winklevoss twins talk to the uh, the dean of the college... <laughs> That was probably my favorite scene oh, yeah. in the whole movie. <laughs> get shut down, yeah. <laughs> There's a code of ethics and an honor code, and he violated You enter into a code of ethics with the university, not with each other. I'm sorry, President Summers, but what you just said makes no sense to me at all. I'm devastated by that. What, what my brother means is if Mark Zuckerberg walked into our dorm room and, and stole our computer, that would be a university I issue. I really don't know. This office doesn't handle petty larceny. This isn't petty larceny. This idea is potentially worth millions of dollars. Millions? Yes. You might just be letting your imaginations run away with you. Sir, I honestly don't think you're in any position to make that call. I was the U.S. Treasury Secretary. I'm in some position to make that call. Um, uh, the line that got me, and the one that felt the most like it could be a true quote from Mark Zuckerberg was, if you guys had invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Oh, yeah. That was very much like a, look how clever he is, but it was actually, you know, actually clever. Yeah. I, there was So another thing I noticed, too, with the dialogue was, so the scene at the beginning where his girlfriend breaks up with him, he says something that along the lines of, you know, well, this getting of this club is going to give you good for you, too, because I'm going to have you come and meet all these people at these parties that you normally wouldn't get a chance to meet. And she says, right. oh, you do that for me? Very sarcastically. And then later... When he meets up with uh, the Winklevoss twins and they're like, well, this is going to help rehabilitate your uh, your image after the whole face smash thing. He uses that line against them like, oh, you would do that for me. This is kind of weird. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I had I'd forgotten about that. It kind of made him feel a little bit more robotic, too, like he was picking <laughs> up on these hurtful lines so that he could use them against people later. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that was something funny. I only probably only picked up on it like the second time around i'm not sure i definitely didn't pick it up the first time yeah i i really enjoyed it i think i think that's the biggest thing that uh i've talked a lot about things that surprised me watching this the first time and the the biggest is honestly that i enjoyed it so much oh did you not expect to enjoy it i i expected it to be pretty good and uh i was very interested in learning um sort of the history more than i had but it was very enjoyable i i really did enjoy it so uh, I would recommend it. Do you think you got a good handle on the history or now knowing what you know, do you think we can't really trust any of it? Like, do you think it's a pretty accurate portrayal? Uh, I wouldn't say so. But I mean, it, it, it at least let me know the the major points. It let me know what the claim of the Winklevoss twins even was, which I did not understand. I'd heard their name. Um, I had never heard of Eduardo Saverin at all. I picked up, I, I at least knew what to look up after I watched the movie okay. to start learning. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I what I felt about it, and maybe I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been coming on here to talk about it. Uh, if if I had just sort of watched it sort of randomly, maybe I wouldn't have done that. But uh, I really did. I, I feel like I do know the situation, the current situation, a little bit better because I I watched this and it it piqued my interest to look into more. So if you were going to make a sequel to this, as we uh, as you were discussing a little bit earlier. So probably you could get Jesse Eisenberg back, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, he's he's aged into it. Uh, I think they're uh, he's still a good fit. Cut his hair a little shorter. <laughs> Do you think he's learned anything 
in the in the time being or is he the same could you just do like a jump cut from the end of the last movie to 2018 um yeah, I think he's the same person. I think you'd start the movie off with showing his Facebook persona, show him and Priscilla and his dog Beast uh, <laughs> being rich and being philanthropic and running Facebook with a benevolent heart. And then we cut to, uh, but he's the same guy. Oh, really? And so everyone's yeah. calling him a lizard person now. <laughs> I think if you're if you're actually doing it as a sequel, that's how you do it. But I don't think I don't think there's any legitimate growth that has happened other than money. <laughs> so then we have the Congress scenes sort of as the tie in, like the boardroom scenes was for, was for this. Uh huh. So the questioning by the uh, different Congress people, like anybody in particular you'd cast. I, I think we fudge that a little bit. And I, we use Rashida Jones who probably has no connection to the congressional hearings, uh, her, whoever her character was, but she is in the, in the movie version. Oh, as the same character. Uh, just so we can tie her in. Yeah. She's some, like some new, lawyer and now she is in congress or something we'd tweak it because we don't have to be accurate uh because the first one has already sort of set the pace for that aaron sorkin has kind of said yeah we're just trying to tell a good story so we keep rashida jones we keep jesse eisenberg um i don't know who else do we need to cast who else would be in the oh, in those geez. scenes that would be notable uh. i think ted cruz plays himself <laughs> He would do that. I bet <laughs> Just he would. Just because he's so charming and likable. Oh, you sure, know? sure, sure. <laughs> he would probably jump at the chance to be uh, to be in a movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we, we just let him ad lib his lines. He can say whatever he wants. Yeah, he can add some Simpsons We'll build a movie in. around him. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Perfect. Uh, I think it's called uh, The Social Network 2 colon Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> I think it's kind of a catchy name for it. <laughs> but the problem is we need like a what happened at the end we need that uh that that's true maybe we can't make this for a few years yeah we probably well i mean you got to write the script and shoot the thing yeah and whatever. we'll let yeah, it play so. out <laughs> i'm sure we'll have something interesting to put at the end the whole cast will be just checking their phones as we're making the movie <laughs> and just seeing what the next scene is we'll make it in real time <laughs> well filmmaking uh has gotten to the point where you can do that right <laughs> yep okay jesse mark just said this here's your lines <laughs> I'm sure the very end will say, and then everything turned out great with our new privacy rules and everything was fine yep. and her data safe. I mean, maybe Facebook will sponsor the movie and that is how it will end. Oh, okay. Facebook. And they're doing original content now. It could be their movie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the social network to colon Cambridge Analytica uh, brought to you by Facebook. Yeah. You could retcon the original movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly go back and say like uh we'll delete this part where uh we can delete all the parts where mark zuckerberg is an asshole so like <laughs> there'll just be a previously on at the start of the second movie but it only includes the good parts about him just some like thank uh, you facebook. making a couple of jokes yeah making facebook uh-huh it, it's probably just him saying well if you had invented facebook you would have invented facebook and then cut to the present <laughs> And then it's all just filmed in real time. Jesse Eisenberg just sort of mimicking whatever Mark Zuckerberg does. <laughs> and that's the movie. Yeah, I'd green light it. Okay, that's all we need. Uh, so overall, would you recommend this movie to other people to watch in 2018? Um, I actually already have. I have a friend who was with me in Uruguay when we weren't watching any pop culture and uh i told him i was doing this and he said oh is it actually good i i don't know much about it uh and so i have already recommended it oh nice okay so overall was a worthwhile 
experience then i think that's generally yeah, the way I'd say I'd, so yeah the way i determine is if you t- tell someone else to watch the movie then it's probably yep, i'm a net promoter <laughs> um so now that you've watched something that we thought you should see now is your opportunity to uh tell the world something you think they should experience okay so my uh sort of go-to answer for what's your favorite movie is also one that i feel like a lot of people haven't seen um and that's big fish oh, uh, yeah. completely unrelated yeah um, a lot of people have seen it, but a lot of people sort of dismiss it as a weird Tim Burton movie, which it kind of is. But it's one of the more normal Tim Burton movies. <laughs> and I've always kind of liked it. There's a lot There's a lot to it on rewatching it. Uh, I There's a part where it looks like he cheats on his wife. And that bugged me because they build him up as such a good guy. And then all of a sudden, everything you worried about, everything his son is worried about learning about his father is true. Um, and I missed the scene right after seconds later where you find out he did not cheat on his wife <laughs> and it, it, it kind of ruined f- it for me the first time through. Cause it felt so inconsistent. Uh, but then I went back and saw it again and realized my mistake and I really enjoy it now. So, so I do think it's worth a second time to make sure you got all the details, right? So this week, my recommendation is, you know, I couldn't think of anything too original, but there were certain scenes, like the scenes out west, where they had kind of created an incubator that reminded me of the television show Silicon Valley, which just started its fourth season on HBO, which is a pretty hilarious show. It's uh, written by or written directed by Mike Judge, or he's the showrunner for it. And um, yeah, I'd recommend checking out just a lot of just the set design and the costumes and the way that everything was oriented remind me a lot of that show but that was about it though i don't think there were a lot of similarities otherwise in in tone or anything but it's like oh yeah huh i'll have to check that out of course silicon valley was after this movie so if anything it goes the other way around right yeah mark zuckerberg in this movie too had said that one thing he really liked about it was they got his clothes right (laughs) Uh, yeah I, i i remember reading that that Gap hoodie had to have been accurate. They never would have chosen to put him in that Gap hoodie half the movie if it wasn't accurate. Uh, well, Brian, uh, thank you much for being on the show. Thank you. Why don't you tell us where everybody can find you? Um, the easiest place is probably silverscreenpod.com, uh, or you can just search the Silver Screen Redemption wherever you get podcasts. Um, our newest episode coming up is going to be uh, an Infinity War one, Ooh. where we kind of... Pre- Tend like we've seen it already uh by the time by the time it comes out it, it will be out and we will have seen it but we we recorded it yesterday so that's sort of an inside tip for for your listeners is that you know that we didn't actually see it when we recorded it and uh <laughs> so that's a very fun one cool yeah uh uh so the other podcast i do call the gobeski walls report one thing that we're doing is every other week we are going through and watching Every Marvel movie, starting back with the 1930s Captain America serial, for something right. like Infinity War, I'm just afraid that, that the impetus was that I hadn't seen most of these movies. So like, I feel like going into Infinity War, I would just not know what was going on at all. It's just yeah. like too much I, I history I did that going into uh, Ultron, I think. I watched all the Marvel movies up to that point because I'd gotten so far behind. Yeah, I haven't seen Ultron. I haven't seen any of the Captain America movies. Uh, I think I haven't seen any of the Thor movies. So yeah, I like I'm the way behind. That's why we're doing the this. last one. The first two Thors are okay. The last one's very good. Oh, okay. I mean, I saw so. I saw Black Panther because I knew that was going to be more of a standalone 
sort of thing. But uh, right. I think, yeah. I don't remember anything from the first two Thor movies, but Thor Ragnarok is very good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So I got to check that one out too. Um, yeah. And remember, you can check us out at cinematicrespect.com or you can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, and... Oh, yeah, Facebook. Um, of course, Facebook. I every time I hear Army Hammer, I just think of John Hamm. Does does his voice sound like John Hamm to you, or is it just me? Um, I guess I could see that, and they have the similar sort of build. Right, so like their faces don't look very similar, but they do have. No. I could see that with the the voice. It's just the voice. Maybe it's just me because sometimes I get these weird ideas in my head, and everyone's like, "No, <laughs> doesn't sound anything like that to me." I mean, sort maybe like it's a just the name John connection. Hamm. You know, Johnny Hammer. <laughs> that's true <laughs> they're somewhat similar names so that could add to it as well I think